Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hey, 5150, I just realized we're getting close to 1,000 episodes of HBR. Do you think we should do anything special? Pokey, I'm glad you asked that. We are planning two special episodes. For episode 1000, we're asking our listeners, current and former HPR hosts, and fellow podcasters to record their well wishes and recollections of the early days of BinRev Radio, Radio Freak America, Today with a Techie, and Hacker Public Radio, and send them to ep1k at hackerpublicradio.org. Epic, huh? No, Pokey. Edward Papa One Kilo at hackerpublicradio.org. The fact that it looks like epic is purely a coincidence. It stands for episode 1000. Good, because I did one epic podcast already. So is that all we're doing? No, for episode 1024, we will be inviting members of the Infonomicon Computer Club and the hosts of Radio Freak America, BinRev, Podfurt, Twatech, and the early days of HPR to join me on a panel discussion about the legacy of Hacker Public Radio. I'll be contacting the original host by email, or if they think their contact info may be out of date, they can go ahead and mail me at ep1k at hackerpublicradio.org. That sounds great, just as long as you don't expect me to edit the whole thing. No worries. Wow, 1,000 episodes. Let's see Tilts go and top that. Dude, your mic is still on. And welcome to Linux in the Ham Shag. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and along with me is the other guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Russ, K5TUX. Uh, hello, everybody. Say hello to the people, Russ. Hello to the people, Russ. Oh, you wanted me to say more? Well, no, I was just sitting here thinking the, the new way we do this, it kind of messes me up because I was going to mess with you when we got started, but I can't do it with it going that way. But that's okay. So how things going up in the great white, uh, slick, slippery north? Hey, you can do this any way you want. I'll make it work one way or the other. <laughs> uh, the, you know, it's actually been really nice out here today. We were supposed to get some really hot weather over the next few days, but it turned out cool and like almost seasonal. So I'm enjoying May right now. How are things down there in the cardboard box by the Trinity River? We've been having tornado weather. We just ain't had any tornadoes that go with them. Well, that's in not fact, really I, tornado weather then, is it? I watched a low-pressure area go over the top of the The center of a low-pressure area go over the top of the house a couple of hours ago. Great big empty spot with no clouds in it. And then we went straight back to overcast. Yeah, buddy. 
Now y'all catch the outtake episode, outtake copy of this episode because it was supposed to start like this. Welcome to Astronomy Cast. My name is Fraser Kane, and my co-host is Pamela Gay, uh, uh, Doctor Pamela Gay from Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Of course, that's when we were going to be in the Google Hangout. We're not there. Is there a Doctor Gay from SIUE? Yes, and she sounds incredibly hot. Okay, well, that's not me. So I guess um, you got anything else to say before we actually get to some content? I, You know, I've noticed that our episode length is really, really creeping up, so we're going to have to cut back. Episodes are getting longer. Content is getting smaller. It's it's a proportional thing. Yeah, so let's come back into reality, get out some real content, and shorten this up by about 30 minutes. What do you think? It's that inverse square law. Inverse square yeah, I think that's called the Richard Barely Law. No. No? Uh, no. It's a, go look it up. Go look <laughs> it up. Anyway, things are going fantastic down here. Things are going fantastic up there. And uh, let's see. We did the thousandth episode. Oh, yeah. This is Richard, KB5JBV from Linux in the Hamshack. And I'd like to say happy 1,000th episode to the folks over at HPR, Hacker Public Radio. Uh, guys, y'all have really moved something. And there you have it. I'd like to say that I actually contributed a couple of episodes over there to push them towards 1,000. Did you actually do any? I was supposed to do one and haven't done it yet. Oh, well, I don't think we're going to get in there before a thousand because they've got a lot of them queued up. If it, if it, if it wasn't for procrastination, I wouldn't get nothing done. <laughs> yeah. I but, guess that makes sense. All right. So, uh, let, let's jump on in as much Russ is grappling because the show was too long. So, uh, let's see. The mobile app has been updated. Tell us about that, Russ. Okay. I can do that. Well, you said jump into it. Well, I know. And now I'm not ready. So I screwed up. Uh-huh. uh-huh okay so let me talk some more i'll talk some more <laughs> see this is one of those rare episodes when richard starts up starts off with a six-pack under his belt and russ hadn't gotten really started yet <laughs> however we both have chips so we can make it through this particular episode so russ i understand that the mobile app has been updated uh tell us a little bit about that well that's right richard and welcome to this week in android radio for hams uh just kidding well, the thing of it is, I got a message about like three months back from the place where I developed the application that we use for our mobile app for iPhone, Android, and all that good stuff. And they went ahead and told me that since iOS 5 had come out, that their application framework wasn't up to date and that I should go in and fix it and stuff like that. Well, I've been kind of busy, so I didn't do it. But I did manage to get it fixed just before the episode tonight. So it's fixed. So if you're on Android, your application should be updated if you're using the Linux in the Hamshack mobile app. If you're not, by the way, you should be. His train has done jump to track. <laughs> okay, I said Linux in the Hamshack mobile app. Okay, let, let me let me go back just a little bit. It's actually the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network mobile app. If you go to the iTunes store or to the Google Play Marketplace, which, by the way, Google is about the dumbest name for a marketplace I've ever heard, and you do a search for Black Sparrow Media, you will be able to download our app for free. And let me tell you, there's all kinds of content there. There's our episode list, any kind of stuff that comes through our RSS feed. You can see our Twitter feed, our Facebook information. 
You can call our dial-up voice hotline through the app, send us an email, get information about all the shows that are part of the Black Sparrow Media Network. And one thing that's been added to that is the Waveguides podcast, which became a member of the Black Sparrow Media Network a little while back. You can now get their episodes through our mobile app. And as it happens, you can actually get and listen to all of our past episodes through the application now. That's one of the updates I did today, including Waveguides. So you can listen to everything there. You can listen to the live streaming audio, including the Up All Night feed, the music feed, and the live feed for Linux and the Hamshack. And like I said before, this is uh, all available through the Google Play Store and the iTunes Store. If you already have this stuff downloaded, it's already been updated for you. You don't have to do anything. It's already there. Enjoy the app. Enjoy the free access to all of our content, all of our programming. If you know somebody else who'd be interested in the program and wants to download it, tell them where to get it. That pretty well covers it, unless I missed something. Uh, no, I don't think you did. Actually, uh, I was sitting here trying to get it to load. <laughs> oh, have you finally got your Android phone? Uh, yes, my my other phone suffered a heart attack some time back, and we were up in there and in a quandary on what we were going to do about phones. But now I am the proud possessor of a HT a refurbished HTC Stratus or Status uh, cell phone, even though the print's so small I can't read it. Well, if that's running uh, anything from H or from Android two dot one or 2.2 on up i think you can download and use our app yeah it works i was listening to an episode earlier today to see if it worked um, i noticed you had updated it and i wanted to see what it would do now yes sir i haven't had a chance to give it a third test drive but right now it's got a got a, a thumb halfway up all right well maybe if you play with it some more that thumb will go all the way up all the Which, way up i don't know all the way up what but you never know which is better. Let me tell you, I've spent many a night enjoying, uh, never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> this could get really dirty, really fast. <laughs> we don't know how many children are in here. Looks like Harrison's gone. So we don't have to worry about that one. Okay. So, uh, y'all go check out the, 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 the app. It is at the Android market marketplace. I hope I didn't pay anything for it. So it should be free. It should be free. That's right. It's free. Go get it. Uh, well, there you go. Speaking of free, you know, uh, we've been, uh, we've been flogging that ham mentioned, uh, horse here lately, uh, cause we're kind of concerned because the, uh, fundage for, uh, ham mentioned wasn't what really wasn't happening. And I'm afraid to ask this question cause I know that Russ is going to tell me that we ain't gonna, but, uh, how are we doing on the ham mentioned fund, Russ? Well, as it happens, if you go check out the website, the little thermometer on the left-hand side has burst. And that's because we did get one final donation that pushed us over the top, and the booth has been rented. And Linux in the Ham Shack will, in fact, be at Dayton Hamvention. That's May 18th through the 20th in North Hall, booth 131, same place we were last year. So if you were there, you know exactly where we're going to be this time. And if you weren't, just look up North Hall, booth 131. That's where we'll be. So we hope to see everybody out there, and I don't want to keep flogging the Hamvention horse, but there you go. 
Well, there you go, folks. Make sure you visit the Linux and the Ham Shack booth at uh, the Dayton Hamvention. Dayton Hamvention this year. Um, uh, take your cameras because you'll be uh, you'll be within viewing range of the Dayton Geyser. The Dayton Geyser. Uh, make sure that you like wear something with ammonia in it so you can cover your nose, and we'll see how that works out. Only in Dayton, exploding toilets, exploding toilets at the Dayton Ham Mansion. I know geek conventions where that kind of stuff happens, but I never thought it happened at a ham fest. Well, it's a big ham fest and things happen. So let me move on to the next thing real quick. And that is okay. that John EI7IG pointed out the fact that he was having an issue with our website where depending on what URL he served to, he would sometimes get the LHS website and sometimes get the Black Sparrow Media website. That's kind of a problem. So I went ahead and fixed it. Now, if you go to lhspodcast.info, you get our site. And if you go to blacksparrowmedia.net or .com, you get the Black Sparrow Media website. All is good. So that's 20 seconds on that. Let's move on to the next thing. What we got? I don't know. He broke the thing. He broke the website thing. Russ is really in a hurry tonight. Uh, let me see. Hmm. Please sign up for the mailing list. Is the mailing list working, Russ? The mailing list is, in fact, working. We gave the URL over the last show. But just for those who may not have noticed it or haven't signed up yet, it's at lists.blacksparrowmedia.net stroke mailman stroke list info. And if you're a listener of this program, please go ahead and sign up for that because I will be sending out useful information about the show, about ham radio, about events, about ambassadors, and about all things Linux in the ham shack to that mailing list. We need you to sign up. No pressure. Just sign up. Go do it. Do it now. Well, see, no pressure. And there may be secret special offers. In fact, Russ and I might do some special episodes. We'll see how that happens that you can only find out about on the mailing list. Hmm. You never know. There might be some swag. You never can tell. There could be even be a coupon to Chili's. You don't know. So go ahead and uh, over to the website, sign up for the mailing list, and that way we can spam your mailbox. No, we won't so, do that, and that URL will be in the show notes. Yes, it will. Now, please join the uh, subreddit so that uh, so that Russ can be happy about getting us on that thing. Repeat for us one more time what a subreddit is. Okay, reddit.com is a place where people can go and sign up and read all about different kind of articles and news and things on the internet that are important to them. One of the things you can do with a Reddit is make your own Reddit. So I made one for Linux in the Ham Shack. It's a place where everybody can sign up and post information that might be of interest to ham radio operators, Linux users, and folks who are listeners to Linux and the Ham Shack. And you might even be able to suggest show topics for us. And this haven't, hasn't seemed to be well-received. I've heard other podcasts use the subreddit thing pretty effectively, but so far we haven't really got much interest. So if you would, go to www.reddit, that's R-E-D-D-I-T dot com, stroke R, stroke LHS podcast, Sign up for the subreddit. You'll get all kinds of information that's of interest to you. And whenever you find something that you might like to see us talk about as a show topic or a bit of internet trivia or a news story that might be of interest to our listeners, 
you can go over there and submit it and everyone will see it. Go ahead and use reddit.com. It's a pretty cool thing. And there you have it, folks. I still haven't had an opportunity to get still long enough to go take a look at it. And I probably shouldn't say that, but hey, no, it's just that way sometimes. Yeah, you shouldn't say that because you're part of the problem. Oh, (laughs) well, it's not the first time. All righty. So that pretty much covers everything we had on the list for the first segment. That's probably the fastest we have ever covered the first segment in this program. However, we're going to let Russ tell y'all about the music from uh, the butcher's gunpowder or some kind of stuff. And then we'll be back in a minute and Richard will, uh, ramble. Okay. That's excellent. I like the sound of that. So you go, you know, take down another one of those beers and a few more chips. Uh, actually I have to go to the refrigerator and get one. Oh, well you go ahead and do that. And, uh, I'm going to play another selection by a great group called the Diablo swing orchestra. I featured them on a previous episode, but this is a great short track by the way. So, you're going to have to come back inside of two minutes or we're going to have some dead air, which of course I can fix. So don't worry about it. But anyway, uh, this is one that's, uh, one of the later tracks on the album, the butcher's ballroom, and it's called gunpowder chant. And if you're into throat singing, this song is really cool. And I have to tell you that I'm really into throat singing. So, uh, here's gunpowder chant by Diablo swing orchestra. We'll be back in less than two minutes on the other side of this one. Today, I was roaming around the internet looking for some stuff, just kind of killing time and being lazy and all this good stuff. And uh, I got to thinking we needed to have some kind of content for the show tonight. I ran across an article over at the ARRL website. Now, we don't normally do any advertising for the ARRL, so don't consider this an advertisement until we get a little further in. The surfing section, some of y'all are familiar with that and some of you aren't. But it uh, does show up in the 
in QSD magazine and they do post them over at the website also. And I went, uh, I found one today where the fellow doing the writing, W-A-1-L-O-U, Stan, one of the contributing editors, was discussing that he was having an issue getting the PSR newsletter, which is the newsletter of uh, Tapper, the uh, Tucson, what is it, Tucson Area Packet Radio Society newsletter put together. And as I read the article for a little bit, he's talking about he was having trouble with the software he'd been using on his Mac, of course, called Adobe InDesign, which my understanding of that is that it's a desktop publisher. And Richard has spent his time dealing with desktop publishing programs over the years. Uh, Resonant Frequency started life as a newsletter. Well, kind of. Bulletin board and a newsletter at the same time. Amateur related, of course. But as it went down the column, I got to reading. The guy's starting to talk about open source and having a couple of a couple of different ways he could approach solving the problem because he had upgraded recently on his Mac. The Adobe wasn't working right. So he decided to give something else a shot. Now, y'all are probably wondering at this point, what does this have to do with Linux? Well... Uh, he went ahead and downloaded a copy of Apache Open Office, which, I, as far as I know, is very similar to the Open Office we all know and get along with, and is even related to LibreOffice. Is that correct, Russ? That is, in fact, correct. Well, the thing of it is, the uh, Open Office had been donated or given or transferred or whatever the word you want to use for it to the Apache Foundation, so it's now released under the Apache license. And I don't know if that was actually done to breathe some life into the open orifice. Open orifice? <laughs> open orifice. Yeah, buddy. That goes back to that thumb discussion we were having a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was to give some credence or some, you know, a heads up or some impetus to the open office project in the wake of LibreOffice sort of splitting off and taking some of its thunder. But either way, um, is now a project that is dealt with by Apache. It's uh, Apache licensed and all that good stuff. Still not using it. I still like the LibreOffice way thing to go. But one thing interesting about the OpenOffice that you sort of brought up today for an, in an unrelated story, they just released their latest version 3.4 which I guess is their first uh, major release in quite some time. So anyway, if you're interested in using OpenOffice, and I, th- I think for a while Debian was still shipping with OpenOffice, but I honestly think the last time I installed Debian, or at least the testing packages, they were using LibreOffice now. So I think a lot of stuff is going the way of the Document Foundation, but OpenOffice is still out there. Your guy here is talking about using OpenOffice. But you know, functionality-wise, they're pretty much the same. It's just the licensing and who controls the development that makes them different. So they are forked projects, and I'll say forked as clearly as I can so it's not misconstrued as something else. And see, this show is going downhill rapidly. we got thumbs, open orifices, open orifices, and forking. And we really need to, like, get back on topic because this is a family show. A family show. That's correct. No badgers allowed. No badges allowed. Anyway, back on subject, if we can find it or get in the neighborhood of it, is uh, the fact that one of the things we really don't talk about as much as we should on this show is the fact that uh, 
there are so many things that amateur radio operators use as far as their computer and software that we don't spend a whole lot of time on. Now, OpenOffice is one of those, which is available in Mac, Windows, and Linux. And in the case of this gentleman who's actually talking about in this article, he's trying to get his newsletter for his uh, packet radio uh, group uh, written, and he's having problems, decides to use it. Brings up a lot of interesting stuff. You know, over the years, OpenOffice has been, uh, well, let's put it this way. It's got a lot of the functionality that Microsoft Word does. You have the ability to not only do uh, word processor documents, spreadsheets, databases. You also are able to do PowerPoint presentations. I don't remember what they're called. They're open something. But they're basically PowerPoint presentations and stuff like that with it. Uh, You can also... uh, do HTML with it and other stuff like that. This is one of those things that's incredibly useful, but is not necessarily ham radio software. And uh, we tend not to uh, talk about this kind of stuff as much as we should, and we really need to examine it more. Now, we're not going to go into a giant tutorial on OpenOffice, LibreOffice, any of that stuff. But uh, one of the things I wanted to bring to light was this is a pretty good article. It's not very long, and it does talk about how he went ahead and uh, installed OpenOffice and took a look at it, and it wasn't quite exactly what he needed, but it is something that uh, I think he will probably use in the future for things like record-keeping and writing documents and stuff like that. I mean, uh, I myself more than once have used uh, a spreadsheet for keeping log entries or uh, count of people that checked in on net or do in the case of uh, Kaufman County Aries, that's what I use to keep the net roster and stuff like that. You know, that that's the direction he was going. Now, once he figured out that open office wasn't quite exactly what he was looking for, he was looking more for a desktop publishing program. And once again, desktop publishing programs, the kind of thing you use when you're making flyers, brochures, Uh, doing a newsletter and that kind of stuff. After some Googling, he stumbled upon Scribus, which is also available in the repos for us Linux folks. And Scribus is more like some uh, some of those desktop publishing programs that we've used in the past. Like I said, resonant frequency. It was a BBS and a newsletter at the same time. The BBS's name was Resonant Frequency, but I was also doing a newsletter here locally, an amateur-related, amateur radio-related newsletter for some of the guys here locally, something I would send out to them if they sent me an email by way of the bulletin board system. And uh, this gives you kind of the power to do a layout of your uh, information that is more like a uh, newspaper or newsletter type of format, you know, being able to do columns and graphics and all this other stuff the way you know, the way us older guys remember newsletters. So he started using that, and Scribus, like I said, is available in the repositories, and it's not a bad program. I don't really have a use for anything like that anymore, so I haven't spent a lot of time checking into it. But this guy says he downloaded and installed it, and in less than an hour, he had built a a template that was very similar to the one that he was using in Adobe. 
yes, there's a little bit of a learning curve with both of these programs, but it's not as much as you would think because I came off of Microsoft Word, uh, what was it, 2000, directly onto Open Office, and really couldn't tell, except for some of the controls being in a different place, uh, some of the menus being a little different, I really couldn't tell that much of a difference. Scribus, like I said, I really haven't spent a lot of time with, but what little time I have spent with it is very much like the... uh, like the software I used for the original Resonant Frequency newsletter, which escapes, it ex, the name escapes, escape, Badger. Ooh, yeah, buddy. The name, get the, the name does not come to mind at this moment. If y'all guys are, if you guys are going to be writing a newsletter, try Scribus. You can install it, check it out. If you don't like it, get rid of it. Uh, as far as Open Office, Open Office is one of the main programs that runs here at my radio room because I use it for everything, including the current ebook project, which will be finished as soon as I get about 24 more hours to work on it, if everybody leave me alone. So with that, what kind of input you got, Russ? Let's go back to where you were originally when you were talking about the equivalent of PowerPoint for OpenOffice, and that product is called Impress, and I believe it's the same for OpenOffice and for LibreOffice. I don't think they changed the Papata. the title of any of the applications. Papata. 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 Okay. I have yeah. no idea what you're doing, but... I threw him off his damn game. <laughs> And where was I? I actually wanted to say something else. Oh, the thing about Scribus is I put in the Etherpad that Scribus has a fairly steep learning slope, and it really does, but it's kind of a weird learning slope. Like some applications you say, well, it's got a really, really steep learning curve, and you have to do a lot of work in order to, you know, figure out how to get it to do what you want it to do. And then once you finally understand it, then everything works fine and it's all cool. The thing about Scribus is it also has a fairly steep learning curve, but if you don't want it to do very complicated things, then it's very easy to understand. You basically like it, it's it's almost like a templating engine or a layout editor. You just like draw some boxes where you want to put some text and then you draw a box where you want to put some, like an image and stuff like that. And then once you enter your text and your images, you can move them around and stuff like that. So the simple things that you can do in Scribus are, in fact, very simple to do, and they're very intuitive for somebody who's coming into Scribus for the very first time. The problem comes when you want to do really complex layout editing and stuff like that. The things that make Scribus particular, particularly... Uh, badger. Yeah, Badger. Particularly powerful that you can do with Scribus that make it along the lines of some of the Adobe products like InDesign and Acrobat and stuff like that, those things take much longer to learn. But if you don't care about that, you don't have to spend a lot of time learning and you can actually jump right in, do an app dash, get install Scribus and pump out some documents really fast. So uh, it's, it's a really powerful tool. It just depends on how much time you want to invest in learning all the complex things that it can do. 
Well, yeah, and I didn't want to get too terribly far into that. It was mostly about the fact that this this particular article caught my interest. Uh, For those of y'all who don't spend a lot of time over at the ARRL website, you might want to go over there and check out the surfing column or surfing column because they do an awful lot of articles that skirt the edges of uh, Linux and open source software. This one was dated 5-4, so it probably it hadn't been out but about four days. So it should be pretty easy to find, and it's not super extensive. We really don't have the time to go into a full-blown tutorial open office, full-blown tutorial scribus, scribus, scribus. Ah, it's one of them. One of them programs that comes in the night in the night and does things to you. Anyway, uh, we don't have we don't have the time to actually uh, expound upon this a whole lot, but uh, the link to this particular article will be in the show notes, so y'all go over and check that out. So before we go, do you have anything else on uh, on this stuff? I think I've probably mentioned this in past episodes where we've mentioned things like Scribus and LibreOffice in passing, but they're both cross-platform applications. They will run on macOS, Windows, and Linux, both 32-bit and 64-bit. And it's funny, I just took a look at the Scribus wiki. I'm not sure why, but apparently there is a port of it for OS2. Woo! OS2 warp! (laughs) That's right. So if you're running OS2, you can run Scribus on it. Also steroids. That's right. No, Matt. that would be that would be Linux, wouldn't it? Mm, uh, no yeah, comment. No. Uh, no. 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 Maybe. <laughs> no, that's about all I had to say about that. It is a cross-platform app, so if you're a Windows user and you want to discover the pleasure that is LibreOffice and or Apache OpenOffice, by all means, go ahead and download it. You don't have to install Linux or anything. There's a native Windows version. Sad, but true. And there you go. Uh, the That's that's the great thing. A lot of this stuff is becoming cross-platform, which means if it's becoming cross-platform, they're starting to acknowledge we're here, even though they don't specifically say it. Okay, so, um, you know, I could relinquish control at this point, but I don't think I'm going to do so. So let me talk about something else really, really quick. We haven't talked about this in a long time. Uh, Over in Linux Journal, for you guys that are using Linux, for those of you that are thinking about going over there, over at Linux Journal, there's an area called the Amateur Amateur Radio Stroke Ham or the Ham Shack. The guy that runs the thing over there, KG4GIY, KG4GIY, um, he puts out articles that have to do with amateur radio and, um, and the Linux operating system. They put this stuff out on a regular basis. There's a lot of good information over there. You know, go on over and check it out. Look around. Uh, in fact, the reason I ended up back over there today was an article called When All Else Fails, Amateur Radio, The Open Source Project. And he talks a little bit about how amateur radio is actually uh, one of the original open source projects because, uh, for the most part, until the uh, big corporations took it over several decades ago, it was mostly guys in their garage with soldering irons putting things together and making it happen. 
And we're at the point nowadays that we have D-Star, we have uh, DRM down on HF, we've got 802.11 high-speed multimedia going on. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff going on nowadays that Linux can be a part of. And actually, I was looking around, and it looks like I'm going to roll all my extra put-on-the-back-burner subjects together here real quick. I was looking around today also, thinking about the uh, anorexic uh, way that the amateur radio repository is on some of the uh, some of the big players in the distro distros are uh, starting to go and it looks like there's not a whole lot there for amateur radio operators but i did end up over at sourceforge and found a list of a considerable amount of uh, amateur radio software i had never even heard of there's one that's uh uses irc ddb for a gateway to the g2 d star network uh there's also stuff in there for uh or receiving facts, CQI net. We've talked about CQI net before. Uh, Lin PSK, uh, some antenna software. There's programs in there for figuring out Moxon antenna, antennas, FL Digi, uh, which is in a lot of the re- repos, but it's not normally the most current version. Uh, there's a, another satellite program that I was unaware of that's written in PHP called PHP Predict. Quite a few uh, contest loggers, regular loggers. Packlink Unix is still in that list, but even though they've changed it and gone on to something else now, what really caught my eye was the fact that there's one called OpenMore. And for those of you that uh, are not familiar with the the whole WinLink network system kind of thing, is that WinMore is the most recent uh, HF protocol that WinLink is using. And I'm not sure who developed it. I'd have to look into that. But basically, it's a a fairly high-speed way of moving information over HF radio in a similar fashion to what they're using Pactor 2 and 3 for now. And this project is up and going, apparently, over at SourceForge. So um, if you're looking for amateur radio software... Don't just stick to the repositories. Go on over to SourceForge and look around. There's stuff in here for uh, for running SDR radios. There's a whole lot of logging software here, and there's even one uh, ham radio net logger, which is slightly different than the one which we used with, what's the name of the Worked All States net, Russ? 3905 Century Club. Anyway, there's a logging program over there called Ham Radio Net Logger, which is very similar to the logging program that uh, 3905 Century Club uses. But it also has some extra features. There's uh, different stuff in there, including an ARRL radiogram. Now, I haven't had a lot of time to mess with this, but I would assume you're able to fill these radiograms out on the air and at the very least keep them at hand so that when you go to pass the traffic that uh, you have it there and don't have to go digging for it. Anyway, y'all take time to go over to SourceForge and check that out. Now, I think I've talked long enough because if I talk any longer, what I'm going to end up doing is getting over on one of these other subjects, like the fact that uh, we haven't talked about KE2YK's website, Random Oscillations, in a long time. However, we forget to uh, bring him up, and he continues on a regular basis to uh, post articles which are uh, advantageous to the amateur radio community. 
And the reason I ended up over there today is because he uh, also had had a copy with his take or a copy of the article from over at Linux Journal with his take on Amateur Radio, the open original open source project. So uh, anyway, y'all don't forget to go check out K2YK's Random Oscillations. Go on over to our website, lhspodcast.info, and you'll find a link over there for it, unless, of course, Russ has been really, really mean and eliminated him. So, have you got anything to say on that before we go and play some more music, Russ? I don't really think so. I want to say that all of the links that we have on our website, the list of people's blogs, including KE2YK's blog and several others, and lots of podcasts that might be of interest to people who listen to our show, are all listed down the left-hand column of our website, LHSpodcast.info. So don't forget about that. They're all good resources, and you should go check them out uh, way more often than I do. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Uh, the good thing is that Richard turned 15 minutes into 25 minutes, and that's always good, especially since uh, Russ thinks we run too long in the first place. So I think I'm going to shut up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can reach down here and get a screwdriver and tighten my tongue up because it's not working right right now. And I think Russ is going to play some more music. I am going to play some more music in this one. We've got a little more time to run the refrigerator out to the porch or wherever else we need to go. I think we've got almost five minutes on this one. Uh, this is a great little hopping, cranking tune that you might want to turn up. It's called LEO, and it's by Oleg Serkov. Not sure which part of uh, Eastern Europe or Russia he's actually from, but clearly with a name like Serkov, he's from over there somewhere. Anyway, uh, it's from the album Epic Symbol, courtesy of Jamendo once again, and we'll uh, we'll let this one rock out. We'll be back in a few minutes with uh, segment number three of Linux in the Ham Shack.
Now, see, that's even better because at least he gave me a warning. All right, kids, we're back. All right, let's see uh, what we got up here. We got Android apps. Android apps. Uh, apparently, Russ is in, in ready to go on Android apps. Uh, I myself just recently was able to get a phone with Android on it, even though the print is a little bit too small for me to see. But we will persevere. So, uh, let rip on Android apps, Russ. Okay, I threw a couple of these in here today because I know that a few of us as ham radio operators use Android devices and potentially iPhone and iPad and iPod devices for some of our ham radio stuff. I know I do, so somebody else must too. I can't be the only one, right? You're you're telling me I'm the only one. What? <laughs> The only thing I've added to mine is uh, uh, the Black Sparrow Media app because I'm afraid of running up a charge because they made me go to a more expensive plan to use this phone. Oh, well, I'm sorry about that, but that's the way cellular works these days. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, sure does. Anyway, if you're interested in Morse code, and when I say Morse code, I mean any kind of option on Morse code, whether you want to send Morse code, whether you want to receive Morse code, if you want to learn how to send and receive Morse code, there are probably dozens and dozens and dozens of Android applications out there that will help you do just that. I have found a selection that will do a few of those different things for you, and some of them are free and some of them are not. That's the way of things in app stores these days. You can still get some things for free, and the developers will sometimes charge for things because they want to make a little money. And while ham radio operators don't want to spend any money, they'll certainly receive some if someone wants to buy something. Well, let's see. I've got three different categories of applications here. The first one is Morse code, as I just said. There's one application in the Google Play Store called Morse Decoder. Uh, this one's not free. It costs $4.99 if you want to buy it. It's got a fairly good rating, 3.7 out of 5. And what this one will do is all you have to do is put it up to the speaker on your rig with a CW signal coming out of it. It will attempt to decode it. I believe all of the settings are pretty much automatic when it tries to detect, you know, the length of the dits and dahs. Uh, the spacing, the speed, and all of that stuff. I pretty, I think it pretty much sort of auto-configures itself to do the decoding. A lot of people have said in their reviews that it actually works pretty well. Some people say it doesn't work at all, so your mileage may vary. Once upon a time, you used to get 24-hour test in the Google Play Store or what used to be the Android App Store. Now you only get 15 minutes, so if you're going to download one of these apps, you might want to do it and try it quickly. Let's see, I'm going to try and run through these fairly quickly so we're not wasting all of your time if you're not interested in Android apps. Let's see, there's one called Morse Code Reader. Yeah, Morse Code Reader. This one is well-reviewed. It's got 140 reviews and or, or 140 ratings, and 86 of them are positive. It's rated 4.2, and this is a free one. This does the same thing as the one I just mentioned where you hold it up to the speaker of your rig and it decodes your CW signals. And it seems to work pretty well and people seem to like it. And this one doesn't cost anything. So even if it doesn't work, it's you're not out. So go ahead and try that one. 
There's a couple for learning. Well, I say a couple. I'm going to mention a couple, but there's probably dozens and dozens for learning Morse code. There's one called Morse Trainer. Uh, that costs $2.99 for the pro version. There's a light version, which, of course, is feature limited. That one's free, so you can try it out, see if you like it. And if you do, then you download the, the one that costs $2.99. Uh, there's another one called Morse Code Trainer. Uh, that one's also free. Apparently, that one's pretty popular. That's rated 4.3 out of 5 with over 200 ratings. So people seem to like that one. It doesn't cost anything, which is kind of a nice thing about the Android store is since Android's based on Linux and a lot of people have the open source and free software philosophy, a lot of the stuff is either very cheap or doesn't cost anything at all. Uh, there's one called the Morse Code Keyboard, and I put that in here because there was something special about it. Let me look it up. We are the special children. Okay, the thing about the Morse code keyboard is it actually allows you to type out dits and dashes and actually test your ability to send code using something like a paddle keyer. It sort of gives you uh, the touch and feel of uh, pressing buttons or pressing on a key, uh, a lot like using an actual mechanical key. So that, that's kind of a neat application. And that one, of course, is free. And then there's a Morse code teacher application, which goes through the various steps. It's almost like using the uh, Gordon West tapes and stuff like that, similar way to learn Morse code. And that one's highly rated too. A lot of people like it, and it's uh, only three ninety nine. Of course, you do have that 15 minutes still to try these out, see if you like them, and you, you can delete it after 15 or before 15 minutes and get your money back if you don't. But uh, even if you do spend the three ninety nine, it's not too bad. That is really just a small sampling of the Morse code applications for Android. You know, you go to the Google Play Store, you can look up Morse code, and there's probably a thousand others. Uh, but that's a pretty uh, representative sample. So if you are if you want to use your Android uh, tablet or phone for Morse code, uh, however you want to use Morse code, there are some apps for you. So anything on that before I move to the next stuff? No, actually, you covered it pretty much. I mean, uh, I haven't gone and looked, but, you know, those that's pretty much the standard of what you'll find in Morse code uh, applications. I just find it interesting that there's so many of them since there were so many people screaming, get rid of the Morse code, get rid of the Morse code. Well, even though people apparently want Morse code gone, those who don't want it gone still want applications where they can use it. Bill broke the Etherpad. Did he break the Etherpad? What happened? broke it look at it oh look he's he's doing stuff he broke it he's he's putting stuff in there that he wants me to talk about but we're already going way too long bill stop typing (laughs) (laughs) all right well (laughs) let me let me cover the apps that i i've got written we'll see what happens amateur radio call log yeah that's right there there's uh probably 30 or 40 different apps that i saw for doing qso logging and I know you don't want me to say QSO logging, so we'll say contact logging in Android. A few of the ones that seem to be better than the other ones, one's called Amateur Radio Call Log. It looks like it had a nice feature-rich interface, uh, easy to use, and free. Excellent. Can't beat that. There's another one called Ham Log, which uh, does, of course, what it says it does, which uh, logs your contacts. These are all really great for portable type applications where you might be like in an IOTA or SOTA type situation where you don't have access to a full size desktop or laptop or anything like that. 
uh, an Android device could be very useful in doing contact logging. There's another one called Hamroid, H-A-M-R-O-I-D. There's a free version and a paid version. And one of the things this particular application touts is the ability to do contest logging, whereas the other ones are sort of just, you know, for logging out in the field or in portable situations. So you might want to check that out. And there are, you know, probably dozens more. These are just a couple uh, representative samples. So anything on loggers before I move to my next category? Actually, I never thought that my phone would give me hemorrhoid. Z, z. Yes, that could be a problem. Yes. No, yes. go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm fixing where Bill broke the ETH bed. <laughs> okay. And if you're also, you know, there are lots of different other applications out there for ham radio. There are some that deal with locating IRLP nodes. There are some that help you with checking out where your uh, APRS information is doing aprs searches there, there are pretty much applications for all aspects of ham radio with the exception of things like d star which are proprietary and don't have android apps for them yet maybe someday so here are a couple random apps that i picked out of the google play store just to let you know about them there's one called qsy it's free, and all it does is connect you to another user that you might be talking to via HF or VHF, and it lets you text back and forth to each other when you might have to QSY, i.e. change frequency, if you encounter some noise or something else like that. So it's a pretty uh, basic program, but if you need something like that, it's available. Uh, there's a program called Droid PSK, which allows you to send and receive PSK signals using your Android device. Uh, that one costs $4.99, so it's not free. But if you want to do PSK31 using your telephone, there you go. There's an application called DX Cluster, which allows you to, of course, connect to and view DX Cluster information via your Android device. That one costs $2.49. There's one called DTMF. I'm not sure how useful that is in this day and age, but what it does is allow you to encode and decode DTMF tones. So if you have a device that you need to figure out what DTMF codes it's sending, or if you actually need to send DTMF codes to a device, you can do that with your Android. And of course, there's the Echolink application. So if you want to connect to the Echolink network using an Android device, you can download the free Echolink app and connect to Echolink. Those are the ones that I found, and I would love to be able to talk about all of the ones that Bill has thrown into the Etherpad here, but I'm not sure we have the time. However, those will be included in the show notes, so if you want to check out the ones that have been included, uh, you can do that by going to lhspodcast.info. And, of course, if you go to the Google Play Store on your device or via the web and do a search for things like ham radio or Morse code or contest logging or pretty much any other ham radio topic you can think of, you'll find more apps than you ever wanted to deal with ham radio. Did you say that the QSY application is so that you connected by text and if you're like on HF or VHF and you have to change frequencies, you would like, text the other station so that they would know where to go. Is that correct? That is my understanding of what the QSY program does. Yes. 
Well, you know, Rich, you got to bet you about something. So if you're connected by text, then why do you need the radio? Now, don't be start. Don't be that way. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to knock the efficacy of or of ham radio in favor of texting on an Android device. Now, do you? No, but then again, I kind of wonder why you would need Echo Echo Link on your telephone, also. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, because sometimes you might not have a radio handy. But anyway, this is what the description of the QSY application says. Says quickly and easily text another amateur radio operator to change to a frequency to chat. Through the setup menu, you predefine the frequencies and ham radio operators you want to text. Then when you want to chat with them, just select their name and the frequency and click send. <laughs> Obviously I put this application in there because it is basically useless and pointless, but I just wanted to let people know that such apps do exist. See, that's what Richard says when he ain't got really got nothing to say is he goes, well, there you go. Actually, you know, the, the fact that we finally have phones where we can actually add some applications and make the phones more useful and that kind of stuff. I'm glad to see it. You know, I can see having APRS on your cell phone. I can't really see having it on a laptop and a radio, but I can see having it on a phone. I still don't understand how my phone can give me hemorrhoids, but We'll figure that one out later. I guess with that, we probably need to move on to feedback unless you have anything else or Bill wants to scream really loud about one of these things that we didn't mention. Oh, Bill's not going to scream. He was trying to hit. He's doing it the subtle way. He really wants me to mention this stuff. He is super helpful. Okay, well, here's what Bill com contributed real quick. He says there's an application called APRS Viewer, which, of course, does exactly what it says. allows you to look up APRS uh, mapping information for yeah, Android devices. Well, like uh, that's a freebie. He also mentions an app called Ham Radio Tools, which, according to Bill, has contact logging, a band chart, ham radio formulas. So if you need to calculate, I assume, like things like the length of an antenna or frequencies or useful things like that uh it's also included in there including a j-pole antenna calculator so if you want to make yourself a j-pole you can find out the right lengths for the driven elements and all that good stuff and there's also an application called who is calling me another free one and this one does a lookup using the qrz.com call sign lookup database so there you go those and the ones I mentioned and probably 10,000 others also exist in the Google Play App Store. Go check it out if you're an Android application user. There you have it. See, uh, something else we're going to have to make our own Android app. It's going to have to be a dictionary of terms used on Linux in the ham shack. I have written down uh, at, at the very least, kickulate. We're going to have to figure out what kickulate means. The word Rush uses when he's uh, about three quarters of the way into that glass of, of rocket fuel and uh, means to say calculate. No, I'll tell you exactly what kickulate means. It's the opposite of kick you early. Uh, the, there you have it. That, that takes us right back to the hemorrhoids. <laughs> uh, I think hemorrhoids might be a front runner for the title of this episode. Oh, there you go. Hemorrhoids. Actually, I had the title earlier. I can't remember what it was. Oh, here it is. The pickled badger episode. There we go. That was the name of it. The pickled badger episode. Pickled badgers.
Well, I don't want to overuse Badger, so let's let's move on. What what's next? Hemorrhoids. All righty. So uh, I guess we probably need to grab this feedback so we can get on out of here because I know you got things to go do, and I got to be up there early in the morning because I got to be over on the other side of Fort Worth. So let's do feedback. First of all, we have a comment via the website from Ronnie K4RJJ. And Russ, what does that say? He said, thanks to Comcast for the lack of bandwidth. Badger. I am not going to Knoxville as stated. Work getting in the way of fun. I believe he was talking about the fact that his interview audio was a little bit substandard. We should point out, and it is reflected on the website, that he said he was going to be able to make it to the Knoxville Hamfest, but he is not. So if anybody happens to be able to go to the Knoxville Hamfest, let us know real soon. We'll get you a booth set up, and we can make you our ambassador down there in Knoxville. But if not, you know, don't go there expecting to see an LHS uh, ambassador because there won't be one. If there will be one, We'll update the website and let you know. Yeah. Yeah. What he said. Well, that was it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Thank you, Ronnie. And I'm sorry that there was a misunderstanding. We will, we will try and make sure that, uh, you are at a ham fast near you at sometime in the near point future, something fickle thing. Badger. Yes, exactly. Okay. So our, <laughs> our next comment via the website is from, Roy, KK4ATD. What's that one say, Russ? Uh, Roy just had a quick comment to say, I had a blast being an ambassador to the RARS Fest in April 2012. I'd recommend this program to anyone that likes to play with Linux in their radios and likes to talk to anyone that will listen to them talk about Linux and their radios. In episode number 80, Russ let me tell folks how much fun I had. Listen in. Of course, if uh, you're listening to episode number 82, you probably already listened to number 80. But if you haven't, go back and listen to it because you'll hear Roy. Roy's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Roy is a great guy. He he has helped us out considerably. And thank you for all the work you've done, Roy. In fact, we're going to elevate your pay to the same thing that Bill is making. The same amount of money. Uh, we can't give you the uh, vacation time yet, but... Um, there's a memo moving moving its way through the corporate office. That's right. Health and dental is coming, but for right now, you get the same salary as Bill. And there you have it. All righty. Last but not least on the list, we have an email. And since Rich is not sure which one we're talking about, uh, he's going to take a shot in the dark. And let's see, does it say, Richard, early next month, I'll be giving a presentation. I call linux in the ham shack at our local club meeting i've done this a few times before i cannot find my last presentation so i came up with the idea that possibly you guys had one i could use instead of reinventing the wheel when i do these i go over a little of the history and i and i show programs that can be used for amateur radio in the end i had out ubuntu cds and offer to make uh, live booting usb sticks for those that have brought me a stick hmm, that's not the kind of club meetings i used to go to i've been doing linux since 1994 since 2001 i've been spending 100 percent of my career 
in the OS. I program daily in Linux. I use it on all my computers. I know it better than any other OS. I also plan on plugging, plugging you guys for those wanting to get their feet wet. That's probably a bad idea. I do not evangelize the OS. I believe in giving people the information and allowing them to make their own decisions. That's like having children. You pat them on the butt and send them out the door and let them screw up on their own. Uh, you can give me a ring if you would like at six. Uh, what, yeah, at six thingy. Seven three Chris K four F H K four F H. So Russ, do we have anything like that? I tell you what, I do have. I have the slides from my presentation on the origins of ham radio. Or No, 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 it's the origins of open source in which I talk about ham radio and a few other things that I could send him, but he said it was early next month, which means it would be about, oh, now. So I don't know if we're too late. Maybe you should call him at six. Maybe, I guess I could call him at six thingy and see if we're too late. So let me start here. If we're too late, Chris, K4FH, I do apologize. If we're not too late, you're welcome to my slides. And I will call you and let you know where you can find them. At six thingy. At six thingy. Yes. Yes. Ah, y'all thought I was going to read it out, didn't you? Actually, it's not even six. It's five. Five, 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 six. One. <laughs> In the chat room, I just want to say to you guys, since you're listening, it probably end up getting cut out anyway, that Ted is more senior than you, Bill. Yes. Sorry, it was bad. So join us next week. Join myself, Fraser Kane, and uh, my lovely assistant, Dr. Pamela Gay, uh, for a fresh episode of Astronomy Cast. They do theirs in the Google Hangout, too. Well, they have, two, they have 250 episodes. Maybe someday we'll do ours in a Google Hangout, but for right now, we're still doing Skype. That's because your stuff is broke. I don't know that it's mine. I don't I'm, it could be mine. I will actually admit that it could be mine this time. All right. Rest well, of the time, not. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you think. There you have it. Well, we have, in fact, gone down the entire list of our content and even thrown in a few things that weren't on the list. So I think it's about time that we call this one quits. So why don't you in go ahead and sign us out? In around an hour. That's right. Kind of close. And I even got all my chips ate. Now I'm working on my glass of tea because I'm out of beer. That really sucks. Should have drank the tea first, then gone for the beer. Oh, no, no, no. Make sure you'd have to pee. <laughs> you know, that that's the deal. People don't understand. It's not that uh, it's not that the beer goes straight through you. It's that it runs all the water out of your system. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. And as far as uh, KB0OWD, let me tell you, I have never made any comments about not having CRS. I can't even remember where the hell Mount Vernon is. So with that, we shall proceed forward. We haven't said anything about boobies tonight. So let me say booby mountains, just so everybody knows. And hooters and all kinds of stuff. So if you want to get in touch with me, go ahead and send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or look me up on social networks. We are now on Google Plus. Richard Bailey on Google Google Plus. KB5JBV at gmail.com. Y'all go ahead and check it out. 
Uh, also, Facebook, Twitter, Identica, Diaspora, all that other mess. So with that, we'll throw it on over to Russ and make him talk really fast because I talk too long. Go ahead, <laughs> Russ. You're fine. This is Russ, K5TUX. You can find me on most of the social networks out there, including Google+, Twitter, and all the rest as J.R. Woodman. I'm also K5TUX at 73s.org. You can email the program at info at lhspodcast.info. You can find our website at lhspodcast.info. You can send us a voicemail at 1909-547-7469. That's 1909-LHS-SHOW. We would love to have your voice comment so we can put you on the air. So send us a comment at the website, send us an email, join our mailing list, download our mobile app, whatever it is and however you want to get Linux in the Hamshack content. Please join us in the future at our live streaming audio. You can find that information on the website as well. And I think that's about all I have to say. So signing off from episode number 82 of Linux in the Hamshack, this is Russ live from between the peaks in the pine forest in north central arkansas sending it back down to the cardboard box near the trinity river where richard's gonna end this one by saying actually to tell you the truth this time around richard really doesn't have anything cute or witty to say so uh i guess you'll have to wait till the next episode to find out good night everybody <laughs> <laughs>